0: You're listening to the Healing Birth Podcast, and I'm your host, Carla Sargent. Each week, we'll spend an insightful and inspiring hour together, listening to the stories of people who have journeyed from trauma to healing and discussing the insights of birthkeepers who support others to heal. Whether you're new to the world of birth, a longtime parent, or someone who has an insatiable appetite for all things birth related, this podcast offers hope and love guidance and peace, as together we explore how healing our Earth begins with healing birth. In this episode, we have Sarah Noble as our guest. Sarah is a mindset coach, energy healer, and healing birth practitioner who supports mums to manage their mind and, in Sarah's no-beating-around-the-bush words, own their shit. She helps others to work through past traumas, limiting beliefs, self-sabotaging behaviours and people-pleasing ways, so that they can live an aligned and authentic AF, Sarah's business tagline, life as thriving individuals and bummers. Sarah is passionate about normalising the conversations around everyday motherhood and mental, emotional and physical health. She is a real talking embodiment of that which she teaches. Sarah's also prone to a little swearing so if you find it offensive this isn't going to be the episode for you. Today Sarah shares about her personal journey with birth trauma and healing and how this is translated into her current work. She also vulnerably opens up about a devastating recent discovery and how she is needing to walk her talk more than ever before. Welcome Sarah to the Healing Birth Podcast. It's really lovely to see you here even though circumstances could be better which we'll we'll talk about later in the episode but um yeah you've you and I have sort of become friends since you trained in my healing birth practitioner training uh last year and um I've been following your story a bit since but yeah like tell us a bit about yourself and um and what sparked your passion for uh delving into healing birth work Thank you for having me.
1: (laughs) Uh, It's great to be here. And I am all about, um, you know, really opening up the conversation for um, everyday real life, all the things, all the dualities of motherhood, mental health and all the things. So um, a little bit about me. I um, have two little ones. So Alyssa is one. She'll be two in February on valentine's day and um dylan has just turned four recently so still very much in the thick of motherhood um i also run my own business mindfully you with sarah which is where i am a mindset coach um uh birth trauma practitioner of course and an energy healer um so i work predominantly with mums because you know when you're you're trying to improve your life on any level. Self, you know, self-worth, self-help, self-friggin' love, like all the things, you know, traumas, whether it be birth trauma or other traumas, childhood traumas, your own birth trauma, um, from when you were born, you know, all the things, it's it's tricky. Like it's different. That's got another level to it, right? Like you're kind of reparenting yourself while parenting your kids and trying to figure that out and deal with all your shit. And, you know, and so I'm super passionate about it because I'm also smack in the middle of that myself you know so I'm learning in real time and I'm passing that on to my clients um and I sort of look at it as like a you know on on each level like it's not just one thing um you know there's a lot of things that shaped us to get to where we are and most people you know have taken on these conditionings from society whether it be about motherhood or uh being a woman you know and we kind of get to be an adult particularly I think things come out a lot more when you become a mum, and it's like actually hang on that that's not working for me (laughs) that doesn't serve me that's not making me feel good this doesn't feel right for me I'm not being my authentic self you know a lot of women have you know we've grown up to be people pleasers and um, martyrs and you know you just cook and clean and stay with the kids and you know all that kind of stuff and so I'm here to you know fuck that shit up basically you know Mm -hmm. like reclaim you know how you want to live your life how you want to parent um and you know instead of your shit dealing to you we we deal with it and we we look into it and we unpack it and we really get to the root cause of things um so that's pretty much what i do i'm super passionate in general about health and well-being um even more so right now which again we'll talk about later um and so you know what sort of sparked my journey particularly into the um, healing birth space was of course my own lived experience
2: mm-hmm.
1: um so with my first birth um you know like a decent amount of people I I wanted to have a natural birth I wanted to uh we were renting at the time and um it was like a new build it was up a shared driveway we were like the middle house and it was like white carpet white walls and all that kind of stuff and I was like right well this can't really home birth here I just didn't feel comfortable so I was like, my next option is a birthing center. Um, and there was one about half an hour or so away. Um, so that was my goal, natural birth, birth center. Um, but of course, being a first time mom, you know, you're kind of like you're not you, you haven't learned from a previous experience. It's all new, you know, and a lot of the time we tend to rely on experts and people with titles and stuff to to tell us what to do essentially um and while sometimes it can work out other times we actually often ignore our intuition and our instincts as a as a pregnant woman as a mama um because we think other people know better because they've done it or because you know they've had their own kids or they've um been a midwife at X amount of births and that kind of thing and so You know, I did it a lot differently the second time around, which I'll get into, but I sort of thought that I explained myself really clearly to my midwife. I want a natural birth, yada, 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 no intervention, you know, all the things. And um, she was like, yeah, 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 cool. I'm on board with that. But when it came time to me being in labor and I was just one of those fantastic people who has very long labors, uh, labors. And um, she... Looking back, I know better now, but she didn't offer me anything other than we need to go to hospital, basically. So she came around to check on me. I'd been in labor for quite some time. And she's like, you're only X amount dilated, three or four centimeters or something like that, like really little. And um, your choice is go into hospital now and we can help it along or um, take some Panadol and, like, and try and rest because I was up all night I hadn't slept and um of course I chose the Panadale to try and rest because I wanted my body to do its thing but there was nothing There was like on and you know the knowledge that I know now from doing the course and from having another child and from all the you know the things that I did afterwards like I did read the books I did do research and stuff like that but
0: yeah that I think wasn- so yeah that reading the book stuff right like uh, the work isn't so much often and um and going down that mainstream path of, of of like reading the books or attending the antenatal classes or you know um finding a midwife who says yes i will support you to have a birth that looks like that it's about the internal work that you're talking about that you didn't know you needed to do until after the fact. I mean, you brought this up right at the start when you were talking about your mindfully you work, and you said that um, that often it's you know it's not till we become mothers that we we realize these these got these holes, these gaps, these unfulfilled aspects of self. Um, and I, th- I believe, I've come to believe that the, that the work that we need to be doing antenatally to avoid traumatic birth experiences is far less about the learning as it is about the unlearning. It's the un- undoing of the uh, the culture or the um, the upbringing that has taught us that, um, yeah, that the experts know better than us. That our intuition is woo woo nonsense. That you know the answers are in the books and in the experts and and um, and that birth is a, a is something to be feared and it's a medical event. All that stuff needs to be undone and that requires a lot of going inwards and learning to trust our inner knowing and learn about how we can how we are beautifully designed to get through this without the need for these outside. Um, knowledges, interventions, people, um, yeah, so anyway, I'll let you get back to your story, but I just wanted to interject with that, because this is, you know, I, yeah, so many people do all the work, they try so hard to set themselves up for the birth experience that they are seeking and needing, and and then they're left feeling like, what the fuck just happened? Why, you know, I did all the work, I found the good midwife, I I expressed what my needs were. I did the reading. So yeah, I just wanted to bring that up. <laughs> I hear you. But I feel I feel like, you know, despite doing
1: some work, right? Reading some book and, you know, I mean, the antenatal class I did was just like bullshit. If I'm just gonna be straight up about that, like that whole system needs a complete overhaul. Like it was not helpful in any way. Like here's the different painkiller options. Like, oh, okay, cool. Here's how to wrap a baby. I mean, yes, you might want to know how to do that, but like I wanted more than that, (laughs) you know, and in the books and stuff like that, there's, you know, there's not always things that it covers, like how to really advocate for yourself when things aren't going the way you want, or when, you know, your midwife isn't coming through for you and you're in mid fucking labor, you know, when you're in a very vulnerable state and you're not like feeling safe, right? Like that's a, it's a, It's that's a huge thing, is that you just don't feel safe, and you know because for me it was the first time, and I was like, what the fuck's happening? Is this normal? Why is my labour taking so long? Why am I dilating? What's wrong with my body? You know these sorts of things that you know are very very common, but all I needed, obviously looking back now, was a fucking midwife who said, Sarah, this is so normal. There is nothing wrong with you a long labor is completely normal what you're going through right now is so fucking normal you are okay we're going to get through this together here's what we can do we can put some heat on your back or some cold on your back or we can do this position or we can do nothing like that was offered you know and and it's frustrating it was frustrating because i thought that that's i thought we were on the same page um And it is, unfortunately, oftentimes not until hindsight where you're like, right, okay, I see, you know, where I needed to ask these questions to my midwife and I needed to listen to my intuition more. And, you know, it was a bit slim pickings on where I lived at the the time um, in terms of a midwife. But it's also like, again, that whole first time, like, okay, what the fuck? Like, what what do I need? what You know, um, and there's... So many things, like you said, that we need to undo about the the system itself. You know, it's just it's here's a box, here's a label. You know, this is how we do things. This is the time frame because oh, there's a shift change coming up, and you know what? I've got to go for my coffee break, so we need to do this now. And it's it's not about the woman and her body and her baby. It's about the schedule of the hospital. You know, the schedule of the doctor, the schedule of the nurses, the schedule of the midwives. It's about what they've learned at school, which you know we we know nowadays that you know doctors and GPs and shit get like fucking 5 minutes worth of nutritional info you know um and most times they won't even ask you you know hey you, how's your stress levels um what kind of food are you putting in your body you know they don't ask you that shit and they should because those two things have an absolutely huge impact on your overall health and well-being but anyway getting back to um birth um my midwife came back and I still hadn't dilated anymore and I basically felt forced into the only option that I was given Mm -hmm. which was hospital um and so obviously I had a lot of feelings (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know I was angry I was disappointed I was pissed off I was but I was also in a lot of pain um, I had probably like I had a lot of pain in my lower back. Um, and I think he was in a great position before, but when I went into labor, he had like changed position. Um, and so it was really painful. And yeah, I was only given one option. I was not given anything else. Um and I've always just had this thing for hospitals. Like I don't know why it's I'm sure it's some sort of childhood trauma that I haven't figured out the precise point of it. My dad was in hospital a bit when I was younger. Um, you know, he said heart issues and stuff like that, palpitations, and you know, maybe it was that just seeing him in there and other sick people and the smell of sterilisation. Like I just don't like it. um And I remember, you know, we drove to the hospital, which was extremely uncomfortable being in labour <laughs> in a car, um and I almost threw up as soon as I got there, I was just like park outside. And, I was just, oh. um, and we got in there, and again, it was just like everything that I wanted was thrown out the window like no water. You know. Um, they had talked about a birth pool with but apparently that was off the cards because of XYZ and, you know, because I didn't have enough knowledge about, you know, despite reading the books and talking to people and stuff like that, about, you know, really in-depth knowledge about physiological birth and what's happening within the body and all that sort of stuff and the natural oxytocin and, and all the things, um, as well as not feeling confident within myself to kind of stand up to the system if you will um and i felt in particular because i was in that vulnerable state and i was in a lot of pain and i had not eaten or slept for a considerable amount of time i think my labor ended up being about 30 something hours um altogether i can't remember exactly but um it was just all off the cards and I was in this bright hospital room. We, you know, we brought the diffuser in and we, you know, I had my list and stuff like that and they tried to do what they could. um, But that, you know, we, we couldn't really do a lot. And then I was basically just chained to a bed <laughs> and I wasn't freely able to move around, which of course we know is not helpful. Um, what was strapping into the bed? So they put this, oh, what is it called? The thing they put around your tummy. They a uh,
0: monitor. Yeah, yeah, that
1: thing. To monitor the contractions, um, which I really think was fucking unnecessary. But, you know, obviously if that happened now, I'd be like, no, I'm not wearing it. You can't make me. <laughs> it's my body, it's my baby, I'll do what I want. And whilst there was part of me, like, it was also like, I guess the fear, because it was the first time this has happened to me and um we we have as as a society grown up with fear-based birth stories in our faces on tv all the time screaming lady waters break oh my god rush rush can it can it go to the hospital five seconds later she's got a fucking baby but of course as she's having the baby she's sitting down on the hospital bed screaming you know and it's all it's all very much the same. There's few and far between of like some sort of beautiful, peaceful, natural water birth, um, and the actual full representation of the labor and the transition and all of that kind of stuff. Um a little bit more common now, but yeah, sadly still generally the mainstream is is yeah, huge fear, pain, you know, that kind of stuff. And we're taught to fear pain. We're taught to fear the unknown, we're taught to um you know again like you said we're we're taught that birth is some sort of medical thing you need to go to hospital for that it's a procedure get that baby out you know um but it's not and we've come so far removed from what the human body is designed for and what it does and how nature works that it's insane i can't actually put it into words to be honest with you um and so it just kind of all went pear-shaped from there. I was, you know, hooked up. And I uh, remember I had bruised hands and had to have like a sleeve thing on because they just couldn't get my veins. Um, they were giving me, um, what what is the
0: drug called? Syntocinin or in the States it's... Yeah. Mm. Yeah, they gave me that and it was horrendous.
1: Um, it made the pain worse. Um, and there was nothing I could do because I was literally, all I could do, all my energy and focus was just on dealing with the pain, basically, and they had this weird chair thing for me to, like, sit on and, like, lean over, and it was so fucking uncomfortable, and I was hooked up, and I just, I couldn't get comfortable in any way, shape, or form, um, you know, despite... Us trying, like people would come in and out, and I'd be like, Who the fuck are you? And you know, and it's just so impersonal. And it's no wonder my body didn't want to relax and go into labor because I didn't feel comfortable with anyone. I didn't feel safe because when I was in that labor, even at my home, I didn't feel safe because my midwife was not where I needed her to be. She was not the support that I needed her to be to feel safe, to relax, to know that all was okay and that what I was happening was normal. I didn't get all that. And so um, I ended up having to have an epidural because the pain was just so bad. Um, and they were like, you know, the only thing we can do is is give you an epidural. Um and I was just like, fine, whatever, you know, just fucking do it. Uh because I needed a rest. Yeah. I needed a rest because it was such a long labor. And so they gave me that, which was horrendous, like trying to sit still when you're having contractions um and and then I lay down for like a little bit and then she, they just come along and we're like, right it's time to push now and that was also horrendous because I'd had an epidural I had to be on the bed so I was trying to do it strapped up and weak from not eating and not sleeping and um you know, having been in pain for 30 odd hours and all that kind of stuff, it was just not a fun time. Um, And I don't even know how I found the strength to actually push. And then it got to the point where she's like, which really makes me angry now, looking back, to be honest, she was just like, his head's too big. Um, There's a risk that if you keep pushing, you're going to rip from one hole to the other. So, the best thing to do here is an episiotomy. And so again, felt like I had no choice but to trust her judgment because she's done this before. She knows what she's looking at. I'm in pain. I kind of just want to over with, right? Like, whatever. Um, and so they did that and then he came out pretty quickly after that um, and what annoys you know like all, all of this builds up the trauma around that birth Like there's so many levels and layers to it you know from not getting the birth that I envisioned to just the way that I was treated in the hospital system how everything went down how I felt like unsafe and trapped and constricted and looked at and like you know bright lights on me and you know impersonal and the pain and the the waiting around and all the different people coming in and out and just and and you know giving birth to my son sitting on a hospital bed because I was sitting down when I gave when I eventually did um give birth to him and then it gets a bit blurry after that, but I think I stood up, I went to have a shower um, and, or or maybe when they were sewing me up or something, I'm not, I can't remember how they could tell, but anyway, I had a postpartum hemorrhage um, and that made me, of course, feel a lot more tired, <laughs> uh, very, very lethargic and all that kind of stuff. And I had a newborn baby and I was just like, what the fuck do i do with this thing you know um and it was like 1204 he was born am so i was then they were super 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 busy i was then put into a room um because of my postpartum hemorrhage and all that i was i was i had to stay and i was put into a a shared room with another woman with a crying baby um and i was so weak that i had to call the nurse to come and pick my son up and give him to me so I could feed him I couldn't even lift him and of course I just it makes me emotional thinking about it I just fucking sat there crying hmm. this is not what I pictured you know and I had to get help to go to the toilet because I was just so weak and in the middle of the night I remember like calling going can I have something to eat can I have some toast or something like I got video my own post you know and. And the next day I had to have an, um, a, a blood transfusion because I'd lost so much blood. And eventually, I was after that, I was able to go and I went straight to the birth care unit where I wanted to give birth for the aftercare mm-hmm. because I'd already made those plans. And I had my own room. There was a double bed. Um, the meals were actually food. <laughs> Um, and, you know, there was like a little lounge area and, and, you know, Dan and and Mum and dad and stuff could come and visit and, um, you know, they were really, really helpful. They were there throughout the night. They would take Dylan and walk around with him in their little, you know, um, carriers so I could get a couple of hours sleep. Uh, and that was beautiful. Um, but even then from there, it was kind of like the aftercare and stuff as well I just thought was like lacking um it's really just like, let's check your vagina are you doing okay like it's there's nothing you know there's a little help with breastfeeding and that was super overwhelming everyone had a different opinion on how to do it so I really struggled with that um it's I think it took about six weeks to us for us to get a bit of a rhythm and deal with like extreme you know um engorgement and stuff like that um And it just, what gets me about trauma in general, obviously birth trauma we're focusing on here, but trauma in general is that the invalidation of it. So that's what really pisses me off. And that's why I really wanted to speak out too, is because I am not ashamed of the fact that I felt trauma from my birth, yet I know full well that there's people out there that have had a more traumatic birth than me in terms of, I don't know, like an emergency C-section or like um you know something's gone you know really wrong in the birth and they almost passed away or whatever it may be right or the baby or you know and so but that doesn't change the fact that I personally felt traumatized by all these different events of my birth and so I was like you know what how many other people are out there thinking about their births like I've in my work I've come across and that's why I work with mums and that's why one of the reasons I did the course is because so many mums suffer they suffer they never talk about their tra- traumatic births um because some women can just be simply traumatized by their birth because it wasn't the one they
2: envisioned
1: it may have actually gone quite smoothly and, and you know easy going as such but it just wasn't what they wanted or, or whatever it may be and then but they feel like oh well, well you know Susie down the road had emergency c-section and she almost died so who am I? Who am I to say my birth was traumatic? Who am I to talk about it and seek help and support for that? Because no, no, no she needs the help and support. I don't. I'll just get on with things. Culture, right? The culture, just t- take a cup of concrete, harden up and get on with your life. You're fine. Your baby's fine. You're healthy. You're well. Your baby's healthy and well. Get over yourself.
0: Who are you? Yeah, focus. Focus on the positives. It could be worse. Yeah. You know, there's lots to be grateful for. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. And that's why there's
1: so many people, so many adults walking around traumatized as fuck, taking their trauma out on other people because they're being told, get over it, get over yourself, harden up, swallow all those feelings down, ignore your intuition and instincts, ignore the traumatic experiences you've had because other people have it worse off. So you are not worthy or deserving of getting help and support for that. You just have to deal with it. That's just a part of life stuff. Suck it up, you know? And it's like, hello we, we we have so many mental health issues as as a and physical health issues as as a species like it's like next level absolute next level right now it's just it's not getting any better um and then uh, after Dylan's birth I I just vowed to myself I was like I'm never going to do that again I am not repeating that and so yes i read some of the same books again yes i read some different books i did a hypnobirthing class i um talked to other people you know i opened up about it myself about my experiences and that kind of thing and i talked about it and then other people were like so if you start talking about it, it creates a ripple effect people go oh i feel safe to say how i you know my experience to share my experience now and they can relate to you and see yourself see themselves in you and you know they you know you let out a little collective sigh of like, oh, it's not just me. I'm not alone. Like, actually, there's nothing wrong with the way I feel. You know, if you're feeling a feeling, that's what you're supposed to do. You're a human. You, we, we all have. We literally can go through all the different array of feelings in a day. You know, up and down, feeling like shit, feeling good again, feeling positive, feeling negative, feeling crappy, feeling like a victim, and feeling like you know I can do anything it's all so normal but we've been taught to like avoid at all costs all the negative or wrong or bad emotions that of course we've all decided to label and so that's why we all you know have these tendencies of avoiding them scrolling gambling you know shopping like eating overeating like whatever your thing is we're all different but it really all comes down to avoiding our feelings or emotions or or traumatic events like you know um and so many people even going back to what I said earlier about people pleasing and stuff like that like how many people are just don't share their opinion or you know put on a mask and pretend they're happy when you're not or act this way around that person to be more accepted by them or liked by them and then act like this around this person to be accepted and liked by them and it's tiring it's exhausting and you know, we're all just walking around pretending we've we're always happy and we've only got one, you know, set of good positive feelings. But that's not reality. And that's why people are getting so fucked up, is because they're not allowing themselves to actually be human and have all these feelings. And I will never ever feel ashamed of feeling any feeling because I know it is absolutely normal, it is imperative, and and these feelings come and go. A feeling or an emotion isn't who you are. It's just something you're experiencing in that moment. Um, so I did a lot of work. And to be honest with you, you know, between those two pregnancies, I did have a I had a um a miscarriage between them as well, which is obviously a whole nother kettle of fish and a whole nother kind of traumatic experience a, around birth. Um, because again, um I lost that pregnancy early. So I think I was only about five weeks but the thing is when you've felt life in your body you know you know what that feels like there's life in there it's growing and then all of a sudden it's gone you can't take that away you can't not experience that you can't not feel it happened and so what happens is all these invalidating bullshit from people oh at least it was early you know, like I still lost the life. I still bled that baby out. You know, like it's still, I still felt them alive within me and then experienced them not.
0: Yeah. And had dreams about what life was going to look like with this little baby in your world. And
1: yeah. Yeah. And not knowing if you're going to get pregnant again. If you're going to miscarry again, you know, all the unknowns, all the fear, all the what ifs. And you don't forget that. You don't even forget that. You know, people are like, oh, it was early, get over it, you know. Well, you never forget it. And you shouldn't have to. You shouldn't have to. If you want to light a candle every year to commemorate, then you do that. Like, you've got to do what feels right for you. Like, I'm all about, you know, my hashtag is kind of like authentic AF, so authentic as fuck. So whatever you do, whether it be birth or motherhood, parenting, relationships, career, like what's your authentic way of doing it? You know, for some people, they want an elective C-section. For some people, they want to do natural home birth. They want to do a free birth. Whatever, what's it for you? And we get oversaturated with everyone's opinions from people, you know, the experts and people with titles and people that are authors and that have written books and stuff like that. And then every fucking joe blogs on the internet is going to have an opinion on your birth your pregnancy all that kind of stuff um but you've got to get real clear on what you want and if you don't have the right people around you to support you to get that then you need to change your fucking people and yeah i know it's not that simple but that's a different podcast um so i pretty much like interviewed midwives the next time i was in a different city i was like right I'm trusting my intuition. I am listening to my intuition. I am not ignoring my intuition or instincts ever again. So that journey just grows and grows and grows for me. And it gets easier and easier to listen to and trust my intuition and my instincts in general. And the mama, you know, the mama side of things. Um so I pretty much kind of interviewed them. And um while it's kind of hard to get one that's like perfect, because perfect doesn't exist she ticked like the major boxes that I wanted um and it's interesting because I got the birth that I wanted the first time so I had another long labor which I guess I'm just unlucky in that respect that I have long labors because you know they're always oh your second birth so oh, it's quicker it'll be you know it'll be over before you know it well it was about the same frigging time as the first one, maybe a couple hours less. Um, but uh, for me, and if any you know, if anyone can take away anything from this, it's that uh, it's really about your head game. Like it's it's honestly a mental game. Preparing for birth and giving birth is a mental game because it is a huge amount of work to turn down all the outside noise it is a huge amount of work to trust your body trust nature when you've been told your whole fucking life not to you've been told your whole life it's a medical event when you've been told your whole life what you know what's normalized right to go to hospital and have birth having a home birth is not like it's becoming more normal but it's still very much a lower percentage than a hospital birth. Um and I see it in mum groups all the time, like I've got to be near a hospital if something goes wrong and stuff like that. And it's like, you know, we just it, it's just constant, fear, 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 fear. It's it's all focused on what could go wrong. Rather than actually empowering women to, this is exactly what happens chemically and all that sort of stuff in your body. But for me, it was like having to actually, you know, if that cause you my ego kept trying to take over and go you need help, you can't do this alone, or um, it's too painful, or you know, and I had to keep telling myself, like, you can do this, like, knowing that, yes, it's gonna, there's gonna be pain, but your body was designed for this pain, and your body has natural chemical, um, you know, pathways and things that, that help with the pain, so you can hinder that pain or you can help it and I knew that if I was trying to fight the pain I would hinder it and I knew that if I was trying to work with the pain you know like a wave ride it like a fucking wave like I'm surfing that bitch then I could handle it and so there was so many factors and everyone's going to be different but you know I had the the lights low I had the music on I you know I had I told I was fucking detailed with what I wanted from my mum my partner and my midwife and Dylan was asleep in the other room he was at home um but again it was quite a a long labor and he sort of got up and I couldn't kind of concentrate with him there because it again it was a mental game like I said like because it's taking so long and you're kind of just like when is it going to be over like and I was getting caught up in my head of like it was such a long labor last time maybe my maybe my body's not going to work is it going to work like and I just had to get like I had to so deeply just trust myself and trust my body and listen to my intuition that was telling me like keep going and then obviously everyone else was like supporting me and you know I was able to like have sips of water and coconut water and like have a bit of nibble of food and stuff like that and you know my own home everything's familiar um and my friend came around in the morning about 7 and got Dylan and took him away um to her place to play and stuff and so I was able to focus um and then, because the last time I couldn't, I couldn't feel anything, right? Like I'd had an epidural. I'd, I'd had freaking fake drugs put in me and fake, fake hormones put in me. There was nothing. Like I was feeling everything. <laughs> anyway, this is not the traumatic part. Um, Eventually gave birth to her in the pool at home. Um, I think it was 11, I don't know, 12 past 11 or something like that. um and then went into the bedroom and was like so it was all kind of going to plan in that respect um and I was really fucking proud of myself I was like see your body can do this what got in my head was people telling me that my body couldn't do it Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and I needed the right people there to support me and trust me and my body Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, it's funny that you, you talked about it being a mental game, and the paradox is that the, that the mental game is to stay out of your mind, to stay out of your head and, and your body. Uh, you know, to trust, to surrender, and let go. And and in order to be able to do that, we've got to stop thinking. We've got to stop using this part of our brain that rationalizes and um, and you know thinks things, thinks our way out of th- out of things. We need to just surrender and do what we can to stay out of that thinking brain and, and that beautiful primitive brain of us that knows how you know that that's where the instincts reside those instincts that will get us to birth our babies safely and in a way that involves reward um sometimes even pleasure for people you know uh that's how we're designed but in order to do that we've got to keep that beautiful big brain forebrain <laughs> out of the equation so yeah i i think it's quite paradoxical that the mental game um you know it's kind of like that thing in order to have the most control of our birth experience we have to be able to surrender the control that that kind of paradox
1: yeah because like obviously our ego wants to control everything right it wants to go no 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 um alarm bells alert alert this is painful i don't know what's going to happen here i don't like it i want to be in control i want safety i want familiarity this is all new, I don't like it, you've never done this before, Sarah, you know, and, and, and so that was the mental game, is, is kind of like, shut the fuck up, ego, shut the fuck up, society, and all your bullshit, and everyone's opinions, what do I want to do now, how do I want to do it, what's working for me, you know, do I need to change position, what position do I want to be in, like, really letting myself, and my body, and my baby lead, not everyone else telling me you should do this you should do that because what works for them may not work for me and the, or you know whether they've birthed 50 100 friggin babies or not it doesn't matter like everyone's different and we need to be treated as individuals and so it's it's being able to differentiate between ego and all that kind of noise and instincts and intuition you know and so there is a mental game there because you constantly have to there's no such thing as not having a thought you can't stop your thoughts even in meditation it's about oh, I'm having a thought. I'm not going to attach to it. I'm going to come back to my body. Yes. Oh, I'm riding the wave, you know? Oh, oh, there's an instinct. I can do this, you know? Even if it is saying in your head like a mantra, I can do this um, just another minute or breathe or whatever it is. So your head's always kind of there, but you've got to check in with, like, which part of it, like, um, and then asking for that help and support that you need. But after that, things that's when things got peer shaped for me. Um is we you know cut the umbilical cord and and had the first breastfeed and all of that I was in my room and then I got up to go for a wee um and I was like oh I think I'm bleeding long story short I was having another postpartum hemorrhage Mm -hmm.
2: uh
1: and from there it went a very kind of blurry um I soon sort of just I think I was in a bit of shock and I couldn't really talk or anything and they started not panicking but like things got a bit sort of like rushed if you know what I mean and um I was kind of just like what the fuck's going on and I they like laid me down on the bed and there was like calls to an ambulance and like yep you know medical talk and um Dan was holding a listen doing skin to skin and I was just like lying there kind of like in shock and um right we're gonna have to go into hospital we're gonna have to go into an ambulance and it was all rushed, and then all of a sudden, my baby, who was like, what, I don't even know, maybe an hour, hour and a half old, I was separated from her, and I didn't, I was just wrapped up in the sheets, no clothes on, just wrapped up in the sheets, put in the ambulance, Um, and then Dan followed with a fucking hour and a half old Alyssa in the car, Um, mum was left at home with all the (laughs) mess everywhere to clean up like nothing had been cleaned up you know the birth pool was still here everything was scattered everywhere um and I was rushed to hospital and I so that was traumatic being separated from my newborn child that I'd literally just worked so hard to get out of my body Mm -hmm. and and meet and touch and I was separated from her um and then into hospital again already a place that I fucking don't like and I was just like, put on this table and there was lots of people and I didn't know what was going on. And I was like, obviously quite woozy and like, you know, just given birth and sore. And I'd had, I had some um, uh, tears and stuff like that. And so um, I don't really remember everything that was happening. I was really stressed and and I keep looking over at Alyssa, but thankfully she actually slept the whole time in Dylan and Dan's arms, like mm-hmm. there in the room um but I was just really stressed out and then I didn't really know what was going on and they were kind of panicking a bit and I was just like what the fuck and then literally this guy comes in some fancy guy a fancy hat and um yeah he was just like there's some what did, what did he say some clots and he was basically telling me what was happening while he was doing it so there was he didn't ask me he just shoved his hand up my vagina and pulled clots out there's clots in your vagina we've got to get these out otherwise you know xyz whatever he said because I wasn't really with it and he just and it fucking hurt he didn't ask me if he could put his hands inside me he just did it and I was just lying there crying. That is not okay.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You need to tell you tell me what you're fucking doing and ask if it's okay, because you are putting your you are putting your hands in my body.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know it, took, it would have taken you two seconds to do that and get some consent, Maybe give me a warning so I could brace or something. Mm-hmm. And it was just horrific. I was just fucking crying, and Dan was just like sitting there, you know, holding alyssa like, What's going on Like, what, what could he do nothing he didn't know what was going on he didn't know that was going to happen mm-hmm. um you know and they stitched me up and due to the position like the you know they put the local in like just some of the areas are so sensitive that just doesn't work so that was painful um and then I, I think it was hours before I could hold my baby again
2: mm-hmm.
1: um got put in a room and I had to have an iron transfusion and all that stuff and I was in hospital overnight and Alyssa stayed with me and I was by myself again you know if you remember back to my first birth I I I sort of was thinking even if you're in hospital your partner gets to say no they were full shoved into a shared room by myself you know and so again that was the traumatic part second time The fucking hospital the fucking system like don't get me wrong I don't hate hate you know I'm not saying all doctors and nurses and midwives or anything like that I'm not hating on them it's just that my experiences have never been fantastic unfortunately um whether I'm in there for myself or for other people um and so that really traumatized me I think the main two things were the separation um and then the way I was treated basically and that's just kind of brushing over it because we don't want to be too long um and so after that of course is when I decided to do the the healing um birth practitioner course because i was just like man i just don't want other women to go through this i don't want them to feel so helpless i don't want them to feel so disempowered you know so disempowering the way that we're taught about birth the system and it's all about like what painkillers you should take in antenatal class and stuff like that and it's like there's just not enough open conversation or education around natural physiological birth and people to support that. It's, yeah, we could talk forever about that. I know you're super passionate about that, but you know, it's it's, change is only gonna happen if we talk about it, if we speak about it, if we share our experiences, if we stand up for ourselves, if we advocate for ourselves, because no one can actually do anything without our consent. They can't. Unfortunately, in that position, with Alyssa, i wasn't fucking even asked for consent before he did what he did but generally there should be they should be asking you and then you can say no they may not expect that they may not they'll be used to everyone probably saying yes but that doesn't mean you, you can't say no
0: mm.
1: no i don't want that no i don't want to do that no i don't okay. want to attached to me
0: as we know right, that the trauma is uh it's often not nearly so much about actually what is happening as it is about how you are treated through that process and therefore your internal response to it. So the trauma is often seated in that disempowerment that comes from being done to without the opportunity to ask questions or to you know to say yes i'm okay with that or no um you know what are my what other options do i have or uh you know just yeah having that power and control taken away at what is obviously already an incredibly vulnerable time and scary time um that's often where this trauma is seated uh so you know you you could have two people experiencing the same scenario you know a postpartum hemorrhage and you know clots forming and uh, two different people experiencing the same situation but one of them is treated respectfully and with with love care and concern and you know um yeah, those things that you talked about—the simple things—they that they don't need to take long, but they make the world a difference. And they could experience that as, yeah, it was it was yuck, it was painful, it was scary. But I don't feel like I've got I'm left with this hangover of of, of trauma, um, and and another person could have lifelong trauma as a result of of that. Um, so yeah, it's an important distinction. I, I before we, because yeah, I really do want to talk. Um, move on from your your birth experiences but i want to just reflect for a minute on um so you birthed at home and you had this postpartum hemorrhage at home and uh, and that was where your trauma began really at that and in alyssa's birth, and um and i do wonder if there are going to be listeners thinking well would you birth at home again like, was that, you know, was it because you were at home and you had a hemorrhage at home? Uh, because, you know, hemorrhages happen and you'd had one with the first birth. Like, where would you birth again if you were to give birth again? um What would you say to people who say, well, wasn't it unsafe of you to be birthing at home in light of the fact that you'd had a previous hemorrhage or, um, or like is is it because you were at home that um that hemorrhage became traumatic yeah do you want to speak to anything around any of that yeah sure I mean
1: again everyone is different so you have to do what feels best for you but in short two and done by the way but (laughs) if I was to birth again would I birth at home yes would I have a postpartum hemorrhage? Probably. Cause it looks like that's just the way my body is because p- f- from my research, correct me if I'm wrong, postpartum hemorrhages are more likely with the intervention. Um, and so I did think that that was a factor in the first one. Mm-hmm. And so I was, I was not expecting to have another one. Yeah. Um, and again, obviously just that kind of person unfortunately um but of course I would be aware of that I would put things in place I would make sure that you know there's a hospital not too far away um all the things I would definitely do everything possible to set myself up um in case that happened and to have things in place uh but the thing is that that's that's really all you can do because you don't know you yeah. do not know what your body's going to do, and there's no point panicking about what if things that may or may not happen. So all you can do is prepare as best as possible. You can communicate and let everyone know. You can make sure that you know if it, you if you personally feel safer not living too far from a hospital, cool. Or maybe there's a birthing unit that's um you would feel safer at. What, what you know, like you've got to do what works for you. Oh.
2: Um,
1: and so that's that's kind of how I would speak to that. Like personally. Um, That's what I would do. I would do it again and I would just have some stuff in place um, because it's, I'm not willing to risk all the trauma that I've already had from hospitals and, and inductions and things like that. I'm not willing to risk that.
0: Yeah, and you were right earlier when you said, "Correct me if I'm wrong," that um, a lot of these interventions that you had in that first birth do increase the likelihood of having a postpartum hemorrhage. So you you were you know correct to anticipate that there was least chance of you hemorrhaging if you had your you know had your home birth experience. Um, the other thing I wanted to add was that midwives uh, attending home births are equipped with the the same equipment that would be used on you if you were hemorrhaging in the hospital and they deal with it the same way until the ambulance arrives and can um, transport you to hospital um so your treatment would not have been any different if you had been in hospital versus being at home and i just wanted to kind of i guess reassure the listeners about that um that you know uh this is one of the reasons why statistically you know well women who are planning to birth at, at home or in a primary birth center where there isn't that um secondary care sort of equipment available um the outcomes are uh in terms of maternal and infant mortality and morbidity are, uh, even Stevens you know they're very uh, comparable um yeah because nobody wants an unsafe outcome <laughs> no midwife, no mama, no papa, you know, like, uh, so, yeah, so, yes, I just, I like to kind of dispel some of the myths that exist around, around this sort of thing. Um, yeah, thank you for sharing, for sharing your stories with us, and, um. yeah, uh, I would like to sort of shift on now to uh, talk with you about the yeah the really devastating devastating discovery that um that has come to light for your family recently and um perhaps if you yeah share what you would like to around that and i guess um if you want to talk to how your understandings your the learning you've done the healing you've done around and, and uh, the, you know understanding of the importance of authenticity of Um, self-empowerment, of um, listening to our bodies, etc., how that has helped you and Dan navigate what's been going on lately? Yeah, Um,
1: so a couple of weeks ago, we found out that my partner um, has cancer. He has bowel cancer, uh, which is completely turned our whole entire world upside down you know the kids are one and four and he's 36 like extremely energetic healthy person um but unbeknownst to us this has obviously been growing inside him for some time um and you know it all I think this can all be related in terms of like listening to your body. And listening to your intuition you know he had no symptoms up until a couple of months ago when he started getting pain um and you know we're often taught in society to just kind of oh, she'll be right you know it's not it's not that bad like oh it's just a sore tummy you know it's probably just a bug like don't get it checked out you know don't worry about it you'll be fine but unfortunately it kept up and then getting more intense and more consistent um and then he eventually went to the doctor and he referred him but long story short the system is very very slow uh huge wait times for tests and things like that um so it kind of got to the point where um you know you'd had some bloods done and he actually ended up having to he was getting a chest X-ray and he just took himself to A&E because the pain was so bad. He's just like, listen to his body. You know, something's not right here. Something needs to be done. I need to speed up this process. So he had to admit himself to hospital um, for them to actually speed up the process a little bit. And unfortunately they found a tumor in his bowel. Um, he was about a week away from having a colonoscopy and they were able to do that like, Within a couple of days. He was just all of a sudden in hospital when I was at home with the kids and um, you know, just thrown into that unknown. Um, and just like birth is like it's just unknown. Like we don't know what's gonna happen. We are still actually waiting on tests. We're still waiting. He has to have a full-body PET scan to see if it's spread, which of course we fucking hope it hasn't, but according to the doctors, they think it has. Um, which means it's advanced stage three or four. Um, and we don't know. We don't, we, we, we're we still in this like unknown limbo. Um, you know, he's in pain like 24 uh, seven. He had to go back to hospital again because the painkillers they given had given him weren't enough. And, you know, it's just, it's changed everything. It's changed everything. Um, I'm not actually able to take one-on-one clients right now because I have to, care for him and the kids in the house I'm kind of having to do um the majority share of everything right now um and and it's really interesting because we're you know probably what you would call quite healthy people um and it's just goes to show that that something like this can happen to anyone um and it also for me really home's home what I did mention earlier which is about it's health and wellness is about all areas it's about you know if you're living with a traumatic birth for 20 30 40 50 years like that's eating away at you man it's like eating away at you inside it's you're just stuffing it down every day oh I'm not gonna think about that I'm not gonna I'm not gonna feel those feelings like no it doesn't matter but it's still sitting there festering away. And then how many other traumatic events are happening on top of that? And and um, you know, childhood traumas of maybe you were abused or maybe you were hit or maybe you were just ignored, you know, be seen and not heard and you were never allowed to, you know, share your feelings and emotions or um, you know, you your your parents were disinterested in you and they never really cared about you and they were just all about themselves or whatever it is, like all that you were bullied, you know, at school, all these things are weight. All these things add stress. And it's about looking at all the areas of your life, you know, where we're predominantly taught physical, um, you know, try and move for 30 minutes a day and and try and eat whole foods. That's about it. Like, we're not taught about how to manage stress, how to uh, be emotionally resilient, how to be emotionally mature, how to actually um, feel those so-called negative and and you know bad and and wrong emotions or big you know scary ones like shame and guilt and anger and all that sort of stuff we're not taught how to deal with them healthily and um, particularly men are taught to just not express their feelings and emotions so whether they go <laughs> like you know they just stuffed into their little pose sitting there and you know there's that instilled like you've got to provide for the family and you know, you got to work yourself to the bone and bring in the money and, you know, all these kind of old school conditionings. And, it, you know, we obviously don't know the exact cause. It could be many things. It could be a combination of things, but all of the things affect it, what you put in your body, what you put on your body, what's in your environment, what kind of, you know, relationship circles and social circles you have, you know, the stress you have, the, the traumas you have, it all shapes your overall health and well-being. Um, and unfortunately in the work that I do and probably for you as well, I see so many people just just unfulfilled and unhappy, um, unhealthy, whether it be mentally, emotionally unhealthy or physically unhealthy. Um, so this has just been, you know, we're still so early on in this, we don't even really know what the fuck's happening. We don't know what they're gonna suggest, but um all that they suggest is going to be either chemo or surgery or both. They don't suggest anything else. And I know this because they've already frowned upon the fact that we did a, a juice fast because I'm not waiting around. <laughs> we're not waiting around for for the tests and stuff. He's in pain now. We're, we're taking things into our own hands and I've been just like full steam ahead, researching everything. And, you know, we've just been trying out different things. He went and did acupuncture today see if that would help with his pain and we've gone to an infrared sauna and we're just doing anything and everything um changing up his diet um to you know really cut out any added sugars and processed foods and stuff like that and that's what you you know so many people just wait until they're like at rock bottom whether it be physically or mentally so whether that be your birth trauma or it be you know that that mum tum you're carrying or whatever you know and people just wait until something big like this comes along and then they're like oh i better look after my health um don't (laughs) you can look after your health now you can deal with your traumas at any time you just need to
0: ask for the help and support
2: Mm -hmm.
0: so you're you're providing some of that help and support out there for people and i guess you know what i'm hearing from you um is that this is an incredibly stressful time for you and your family that your main income earner dan is but he cannot work at the moment that you are this his sole care provider really and your children's sole care provider because dan and the degree of pain that he's in is very limited in what he's able to do um with the kids and around the home and so it's all falling on your shoulders and um which limits you massively in terms of the work you're able to continue to do the paid work um that will help support you guys to get through um well funding the the, the treatments that you are looking to um you know the holistic treatments that you're looking to uh, work work with um but also to get that extra support so you can get Dan to his appointments and you know, have the children looked after and all that stuff. So if if anybody's listening and they're like, they would love to be able to offer you some support, either through um, you know, working with you, but I and, and I know that you've got offerings that aren't one-on-one, so, um, you know, face-to-face support. So I'll, I'll let you speak to that in a minute um or and I know you've got a, a give a little page set up and we'll put the link to that at the bottom of the um show notes so those are those are really practical ways that people can support you but yeah what how can people work with you at the moment or um
1: what- yeah so you, yeah you're right I mean I just I don't have the emotional capacity to hold space for clients to the level that I would like right now which I think is quite understandable given where it literally three weeks into this, we're still waiting on a final diagnosis and um, there could be some major surgery ahead. I don't know, it's Dan's body. He needs to decide what he wants to do in terms of everything. Um, But obviously holistic support is not gonna hinder anything. (laughs) So, But unfortunately it's not funded. Um, He was our primary income earner. We both had our own businesses. Um, So thankfully I had created a, a course um not too long ago which is the only thing I'm able to offer right now Mm -hmm. um I've had to put my clients that I already have on hold which I've been amazingly understanding about um if anyone does want to work with me one-on-one I have a wait list so you can just email me or DM me um I am totally 100% going with my gut and intuition on that in terms of when I feel ready um with the, the horizon so unknown um Absolutely no idea, you know what what direction Dan's house is going to go in, and all that kind of stuff. Um, I just had to I had to call it. So the only thing I have right now is my Mindfully You Foundations uh, course, um, which is basically a, a pla a, a library kind of of content. So there's written content, um, you know, like uh, journal prompts, affirmations. I've got um information on all the chakras and how to balance them, that kind of stuff. Um, and then there's masterclasses so there's a section with all the masterclasses I have uh, and then there's another section which is videos which is um, all of the things like sort of short warm videos and the masterclasses I've got QFT which is my energy healing um, modality that I do meditations visualizations um, just rituals and practices that you can do to manage your mind Uh, reduce your stress to get to know yourself more and figure out who the fuck are you and how do you want to live your aligned and authentic life Um, because you need to figure it out yourself no one can tell you how to do it so with that new content is added each month so it's a library that grows Um, I have discounted it right now to help us with our cancer journey so if you want to donate to the give a little absolutely please go ahead this is a long-term journey for us and we need all the help we can get because I tell you what, holistic health is not cheap. Mm. Um, and but if you want something in return, then you could get the the foundations course, and that's going to have new content added each month. I thankfully had recorded a already recorded a video before this, which has gone in this month, and I'm going to get a couple of guests for the next couple of months to um, to add in content there as well. And I think <laughs> I'm also feeling like, you know, adding more of a you know, like I said, it's health and wellness is about everything, right? It's not just about your mind and your mindsets and your limiting beliefs and your traumas and your emotions and all that kind of stuff. It's also about like every single environment you're putting yourself into in your life, every single person online and off that you are interacting with. And so I'm probably gonna, um, you know, I think it's perfectly named foundations. Like it's setting a foundation for, you know, your authentic as fuck life and for, for you know, managing your health and wellness, mind, body and soul. And so, um, you know, as we're delving further into these sort of deeper level health and wellness holistic things, trying all the things to kind of find out what's going to work best for him, um, you know, I'm sharing that and I'm gonna be able to bring that to the course. And I'll tell you what, my coach is going to be fucking next level because this is putting everything to the test. Every single practice, ritual, fucking mindset, stress, anxiety-inducing thing, like, it's putting everything to the absolute test right now. Mm -hmm. And I have no choice but to up-level massively in this, and then I'm going to be able to pass that on because I'm not immune to having those worst case thoughts, those catastrophizing thoughts, that's that's in my past, I was very much a victim mindset, everything, you know, thinking of the worst case scenario, and, and when it's something so big like this, you can't turn that off, you know, but I know not to dwell in it, because it's not going to serve me, I need to be the best version of me that I can be, so I can show up for my kids, so I can show up for my partner, because right now, it's all falling on me, and I need to be at the best of my ability mentally, physically, and emotionally. Um, so I'm doing all these holistic things alongside. I'm not all of them, but <laughs> but a lot of them um, because I need to be at my best as well. And then I'm going to be able to, to share that with everyone, which I'm kind of excited about. I don't know what direction this is going to take. I don't have any, you know, um, I'm going to do this or plans or anything like that. I'm really just like surrendering to this whole process and just taking each day as it comes and seeing what his needs are what the kids needs are what my needs are and obviously trying to fit them in when I can a lot less time than I'm used to and a lot less time that I need but I do what I can um so yeah that's pretty much all I have at the moment I do also have a podcast which I started not long ago called um authentic as fuck obviously (laughs) with Sarah Noble um so there's about seven or ish Episodes up, they drop on Mondays at 12 o'clock. I'd already pre-recorded a bunch, so I think I have them already recorded through till uh, first week or two in January, which is quite cool. Um, And I will probably be doing an authentic as fuck cancer podcast at some stage um, because we've got to do it our way. We're going to do this our way. We're going to be told what they think we should do and then we're going to decide if we want to do it or not.
0: Sarah your mindfully you foundations course sounds pretty epic um can you just clarify is it like a one-off payment and and then you've got the course and you get the continued the ongoing additions to the course or is this like a subscription
1: Well it's actually both um so you um the best value is because I've discounted it is to get the lifetime access which is a one-off price um which is one 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 at the moment which is insane because there's already over 10 hours of content in there uh, and that's going to grow each month so you're locked in with that otherwise you can do the subscription which is 55 a month and that is I'm not into like the fear tactics or anything so it's literally sign up for a month don't like
0: it your finances change you can cancel it at any time and you will have access during that month to all of the prior content that's been recorded so that sounds pretty like a pretty awesome, well, either of those options sound pretty amazing, but one, 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 <laughs> like far out. Um, and, and that's a one-off and you get to stick with you and keep receiving all of the new content for as long as you're producing it.
1: Yep. Um, I actually have a private Facebook page called the Mindfully You Collective, um, where I do, uh, I've put it on pause for now, but um, was doing a free masterclass every month Mm-hmm. and then that's available in the free group for seven days and then it goes into the Mindfully You Foundations course for that lifetime access um so there will be when I restart that as well there'll be a master class each month as well as probably another um video or written content uh, it's just going to keep growing and growing and it's going to be like something that you can tap into whenever you need so you might be like Oh I'm feeling you know there's a forgiveness of self meditation for example you might be feeling like really guilty about something you did in mum life or um whatever and you're like oh, I really need that or there might you might be like oh I really need that tapping video or I need a visualization or um I need to learn about um self worth and I'm going to watch the self worth masterclass you know so you can kind of like pick and choose it's not something you have to go through regimented it's mm-hmm. like take your time to go through it and then tap into whatever tool or ritual or practice you need in that moment for whatever is going on for you in your life. And that's what I really love about it.
0: You mentioned um, QFT earlier. Yeah. Do you want to just share real quickly what QFT stands for and is about?
1: <laughs> yeah. So that's the um, energy healing modality that I do. So it's quantum freedom therapy Um it is a form of energy healing, so it's a combination of um, uh, EFT or tapping, um, conversational hypnosis, um, NLP, neuralistic programming, uh, mysticism, and a little bit of, of course, my authenticist, spark flavored, intuitive um, coaching. Um, mm-hmm. So that I can I do via Zoom or um, in person
0: okay so that's not part of your
1: um the foundations course you can't like it doesn't have
0: skills yeah I have a I have a QFT um video in
1: there okay so I um so there's like different protocols that I can do um so it is a little bit more generalized obviously if it's if I'm with a client one-on-one I go you know totally focus on them and I'm looking at your chakras and I'm balancing them and I'm you know we get to the root cause of like you know the main sort of thing that's going on for you at that time I often do um, sound healing with my clients as well Um, and you know I might do some card pulling or or whatever so it's all kind of very individual and I really go with my intuition Um, so it is more of a broader one but um, it's really I can't remember what one I have in there actually I think it's the higher self maybe um qft protocol so it can you can watch that over and over so you still kind of get it but it's it's not the full spiel of it if that makes sense
0: sarah we need to um we need to wind up this interview but i just want to share a reflection um with you i haven't said this to you before but i'm remembering back to when you finished you were at the end of your training doing the healing birth practitioner training and you had your very first um, practice client session, right? Like that everybody does at the end of their training, they have a session with a client in exchange for a koha or donation and some feedback. And you feed back to the group how gutted you were after that session, feeling like you weren't enough, feeling worried that, that uh, you know, that you hadn't done a great job or that, a, you know, you were, you were catastrophizing. Just like you said before, I was like, you took me back to that moment. And the group were really awesome and supportive, like we always are, you know, like, um, and you, then you got the feedback. <laughs> and what did that feedback say, Sarah? It said, you were fucking epic. <laughs> and wow, what a difference you had made, uh, you know, to this person's healing journey after their birth trauma. Um, and I just I just yeah, wanted to reflect on how far I can see and feel that you have come since that time and doing exactly what you've been saying that you invite and support others to do. And that is using these tools, these understandings to be the most authentic and, and healthy and Um, happy version of ourselves in the face of inevitable traumas because we are all going to experience traumas throughout our lives and we are all going to experience powerlessness Um, you know uh, that puts us in terrifying situations so I just wanted to offer that reflection Um, you are you are doing an incredible job at an incredibly trying time and i just um desperately hope with all of my heart that you um get the support um assistance finance financial support uh, etc to um you know to work your way through this without it creating more stress than it's already going to um yeah so sending you all the love and um, thanks for sharing sharing so vulnerably with us all on the podcast and um yeah it's lovely to see your face again I'm sorry for all that you're going through thank you I really
1: appreciate it it's it's tricky it's you know I don't I don't know what to say half the time so I know that other people don't know what to say too um you know we're still coming to terms with it but um I appreciate you know you allowing me to share my you know my birth journeys and and traumas there and and the wisdom that I've gained from it and from obviously from your course doing your course and then helping other women as well um on on the different levels that I help them uh because you know it's it's I, I feel like it's women like us who really normalize these conversations that have you know probably more of an impact on people than we actually realize so thank you for having this platform for inviting me on to share my truth um and i really hope that yeah that it resonates with your listeners
0: thank you for listening to this episode of the healing birth podcast if you like what you heard please spread the love by sharing this podcast with others or if you'd like to connect with me you can get hold of me via instagram at healing.birth and through my website, healingbirth.co.nz. I'd love to hear from you, whether that's so you can share feedback or suggestions, or because you're potentially interested in working or training together. Let's do it. Arohanui, you beautiful people.